Behold, behold, behold the pale podcast. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. My life has value. Music, I put my dick away. All right. Well, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, Alexander Hawk's dick is going away. It is being pushed with his fucking index finger back into his pants. And that can only mean one thing. You know what I mean? And that one thing is the beginning of Behold, 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 a pale podcast is upon us (laughs) on this eve this eve of destruction that we come from here um hallows eve you know what i mean i think this is the last time people will be catching up with us before halloween maybe maybe there might be one more episode of behold before halloween uh if not we want to encourage everybody to pop out uh, and get down with the Boombastic Media YouTube page. Boombastic Media is kind of the production company that does all our shows. Um, every year they do a Halloween special, uh, as well as a Christmas one. And you guessed it, because uh, all of our audience are superb, uh, highly intellectual, supreme beings. They know that fucking Halloween comes before uh, Christmas, so get out of here with the shit that they don't know that stuff. I heard people in message boards talking about them not knowing what comes first, you know, the chicken or the egg. They know Halloween comes before Christmas, so pull your head out your ass on that. Uh, pop on over to the Boombastic Media YouTube page and get down with that. Um, Halloween, or Halloween, if you will, the event. Uh, it's a big multi-hour just extravaganza, the super duper Halloween extravaganza. Um, it's a mashup of all the different shows on the network. And uh, there's guests, there's some really cool guests, spooktacular guests coming through, and uh, a lot of Halloween talk, you know. So definitely pop on over into that. 
And I know on the Boombastic Media, uh, or rather Boombastic Streaming Patreon page, I know that uh, this month, if you sign up for the $5, you get this month free, plus you get, uh, you're able to be uh, a live audience member, if you will, of the event, which I get on that quick because uh, they record, I believe, on the 17th, and it goes, airs on the 31st. Um, on Halloween. On Halloween. So you'd have to talk to the big wigs of Boombastic Media about that stuff. I don't know, but we do have a gentleman with us today as a guest uh, who I know is a big wig at the Boombastic Media program. You know what I mean? Alexander Hawk. You know this gentleman, right? You've, you've met this gentleman years ago now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've known him. About as long as I've known you. I mean, he's a good guy. He's helped us out a lot. And he's one of those unsung heroes of behind the camera. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if I'd say he's a good guy, but he's a guy, (laughs) I believe. Um, And uh, that guy is none other than the the, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, birth name Budrick Buttafuoco, a longtime friend and companion. You know what I mean? A long time. One of the, like Alexander said, uh, a gentleman that works behind the scenes heavily. You know, he's like the Wizard of Oz a little bit without giving him too much credit. Um, But I know that during the COVID scare, he said that he, he, if he was to die of the COVID, he wants to make sure that people know who the fuck he is and what's going down. So uh, he made a kind of a big, we see him, him rise to the surface, bubble up um, whitehead, if you will, at the top of the surface. Uh, and that man is the one and only Buddy Buttafuoco. Well, thank you for having me on the show, Matt. Well, Buddy, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show, or to have you in general, you know, for a little inside baseball talk. But uh, it's great <laughs> to have you. Yeah, it's fun to have you on. It's fun to have you out here on here. It's funny, so usually behind the scenes, but it's good stuff. We, uh, the great Alexander the Hawk, is with us too, buddy. Uh, he's he's not not in a foreign land, running around with uh, drug cartel members and the, the, the fanciest of supermodels and making films in foreign countries. He's back with us, you know, on home soil. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I know that Alexander gets very unhappy when people when give me too much props, too much, too much love in the scene. Well, I, I can understand that. Sometimes I think, uh, uh, we who work behind the scenes uh, don't get as much love as we should, but uh, I'm happy to, you know, be on the show, and uh, it's uh, it's great to be here. Great to have you again, buddy. So uh, when we knew that this was going to be the theme, then uh, I, I automatically thought of Buddy, because Buddy's a dude that I've known for years, and probably going back maybe... 20, 25 years, we're going back a ways, you know, we went back to the schooling, uh, the school system failed us both, you know what I mean? Exactamunda, uh, exactamunda. Um, yes, sir. Um, but I, I always knew Buddy was big into these things. Uh, he could probably be a member of the show, 
But, you know, he's on the oxygen tank, so we can't be doing too much talking, so we don't want to take too much from him. I only have a few uh, precious uh, years left of the oxygen in my tank. I got to... I got to ration it out. <laughs> you, can't, you can't refill something like that? Oh, no, no. Don't you know the uh, the government's uh, starting to put taxes on the oxygen? I mean, my taxes are through the roof for every uh, can of oxygen that I have to, I have to get. Wild. <laughs> Buddy, when did you hear about Art Bell for the first time? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh I honestly, uh, I think I listened to uh, his uh, his show uh, uh, back in two uh, thousands. Uh, That's when uh, when I actually stumbled across Art Bell, and I have to admit, he always had interesting guests on his show. I always uh, liked the um, deep dive and. In the conspiracies, in the in the stories, and and just the interesting people he had on the show, and uh, sometimes you can just you know <laughs> just uh, look at it like they're just you know crazy kooks, but uh, even uh, I mean, being paranoid doesn't mean someone's not out to get you. That's that's the our, truth. Our bells are good. I stumbled upon him a little later in the game, um, and then followed him all the way up until his passing. I remember, you know what I mean. Uh, very unfortunate. Two thousand eighteen, uh, he passed on April eighteenth, uh, I believe, April thirteenth. Um, very sad stuff. And uh, Alexander the Hawk over there, the great Alexander the Hawk. Where, uh, when, and where? Did Art Bell come into your stratosphere? Huh. Well, um, actually, in my case, uh, I didn't even know about him until uh, till you mentioned to me about the uh, the show about him. I, of course, did research after you told me. It's same thing uh, with um, uh, 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 Cooper. I mean, I didn't even know about him until, you know, you told us to do research for the show. And, uh, I mean, a lot of this, you know, friend stuff, a lot of this, uh, you know, um, conspiracy uh, stuff. I have to admit, I never really followed. I really didn't know a lot about. I mean, I always had my theories, always had my opinions when it came to, you know, what was going behind the scenes. And... um, and it's interesting, you know, going in and looking at uh, all these different theories. And, of course, some of them are just plain outlandish that you can just laugh them off. And some of them are even, you know, very eerily you can believe is actually happening. I mean, it's there's a lot going on that we do not know. And uh, I will probably never know the true story because... There's a lot of people with a lot of power that, you know, control the strings. Now, buddy, you did a doc, you directed a documentary called Up Jump the Boogie or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Production of DJ Stand the Man. Um, (laughs) 
Yes, me and Alexander the Hawk over here were a part of that documentary. It was a blessing. We thank you very much. You know, oh, anytime for you, Matt. Anytime. <laughs> you know, we, that name comes from uh, uh, Dr. Strangelove, if I remember correctly, right? <laughs> yeah. Love Dr. Strangelove. I love Stanley Kubrick. One of the best directors ever. I mean, of course, next to uh, myself. Well, you are pretty fantastic. Uh, you know, I will say that. I do agree. And I do love my, uh, I do share the same love with you for yourself and Mr. Kubrick, of course. You know, Kubrick's one of those dudes that's so great that he's, he's transcended into the world of conspiracy himself. Whether it's Moon Landing or The Shining, uh, conspiracy vibes they got going. Um, you know what I mean? Weren't we talking about Kubrick recently? Something Wasn't something going on with the Kubrick? Yes, uh, actually, it was funny. Um, we were talking, uh, actually, Alex and myself were talking because we just saw that it popped up that um, anyone who's actually a big uh, Stanley Kubrick fan uh, might actually know that he was working on a a uh, script to do uh, a big epic Napoleon movie. And, of course, I mean, that would have been just phenomenal. I mean, Stanley Kubrick, uh, Napoleon, just so much you can do with that. I mean, that's just just awesome. But um, supposedly that they're going to have, um, uh, forget the guy's name, uh, let me think. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, Kerry Fukunaga. Uh, to direct a version of Stanley Kubrick's Napoleon, uh, but in a, I think it was an HBO miniseries, which I think would be interesting. Interesting to see, and it'd be nice to see, you know, even though Stanley Kubrick's now passed away, it's not Eyes wide shut, get that conspiracy vibes to that, to 2001's Moon Landing. There's so many. It's, oh, it's funny how true. he has so that's many um, conspiracy tied to him and his films. Yeah, yeah. Well, what can you say? I mean, uh, there's a lot of, of things that will go on behind the scenes behind uh, Stanley Kubrick. That uh, we probably will never know, but uh, would be definitely interesting to find. Even out. Napoleon, they wouldn't let him make it at the time, so it's very interesting that they're kind. They're they're making it now. They're they're taking. I I I own a book, which is the it's the script and it's all the production photos and wardrobe that he gathered to make it. Because I guess he got really close to the point of making the film, and then. They pulled the plug last minute. I believe there was a movie, another studio made a movie with the same theme, and that, that movie flopped. So they said, that's back when people were going to see films because of directors, you know what I mean? They were like, well, that theme was a dud, so we're not going to invest in this other film of the same theme. Uh, so that's why it got the chopping block. But it, 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 the, the, the pre-production was heavy on it, so I was surprised that I, I thought maybe Spielberg might do it because Spielberg took over AI when, uh, which was originally supposed to be a Kubrick film. I got one last film question for you. We'll roll into our episode. 
Um, since we have the director of the writer and director of Attack of the Atomic Killer Bees, <laughs> I wanted to ask: Was that influenced by the giant hornet, uh, the killer hornet craze we had during COVID times? Yeah, you can say, kind of say that. I mean, there was a lot of crazy shit going down. I actually, I, I was, I was thinking my original idea. Which, of course, seeing her heads prevailed. I, I actually wanted to do a uh, a version of the Australian uh, wildfires that happened at the beginning. I thought that would be awesome, you know. You know, you have the setting, you got the the fires, and the you got the kangaroos, and you got the platypuses, you know, just. Running and escaping, you know, these big blazes. You got the crocodile hunter's family rescuing all of these, you know, animals, poisonous uh, creatures that would normally just kill you in one bite. But uh, unfortunately, that would require a budget that, uh, unfortunately, not Yeah, that sounds like a pretty, pretty decently sized budget. Now, our, our boy Art Bell here, we're about to pop into. A fun little fact, uh, the day after tomorrow, the film with Randy Quaid or De- uh, Dennis Quaid, right? Dennis Quaid, I think. Dennis Quaid, I that think. That was based off of a, a book called uh, The Coming Global Superstorm that Art Bell was a writer on, which was very interesting. So that was a fun little tie-in to the movie world. But yeah, we're going to jump into Art Bell. Sorry, gentlemen. But we're gonna jump in. we gotta jump into our bell before we lose our audience out here. All right. Yeah, we, uh, we don't want to scare them away. Well, they're already very scared. Um, <laughs> and here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, Arthur William Bell the third, born June seventeenth, nineteen forty five, an American broadcaster and author. He was the founder and the original host of the paranormal themed radio program Coast to Coast AM which syndicated on hundreds of radio stations in the United States and Canada. He also created and hosted his companion show, Dreamland, Coast to Coast, still airs nightly. Uh, He really built something big with Coast to Coast. It still goes to this day. Art Bell's one of the pioneers. You know, I know we did kind of our Hall of Fame, if you will, episode. Um on William Cooper, the great William Cooper. Um, and our bells kind of, we're talking about this before the show. Both of these gentlemen had these like pirate radio shows, which were podcasts in a time before podcasts. You know what I mean? They were really kind of doing it, which was like a cool thing. And they are bringing the truth that way. Um, both gentlemen, people speculated, took the big departure early. Um, I know art, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think prescription drugs, I think pain pills is what eventually got him or who's to say if it was a cover up deal or what. Um, I, we did, the, the, the dude just died. He's no longer with us. Uh, that, you know, no matter what it is, what did it? The unfortunate part is he's no longer here. Um, so that could be, you know, accidental. What do they call that? Uh, misadventure that could be misadventure or that could be which i know buddy gets down with a lot of misadventure Uh, (laughs) but that could be misadventure or that could be straight up 
You know, with the Kubrick thing, it's funny. They say that the they gave Kubrick some shot or some pill that made him have some heart attack over making eyes wide shut, uh, which is craziness. But, uh, you know, Arthur William Bell, you know, he was always interested in radio. At the age of 13, he became a licensed amateur radio operator. Uh, Bell held an amateur extra class license, which in the top U.S. Federal Communications Commission license class, his call sign was W6OBB. Uh, Bell served in the U.S. Air Force as a medic during the Vietnam War. And in his free time, he operated a pirate radio station at Amarillo Air Force Base. He would make a point of playing anti-war music like Eve of Destruction and Fortunate Son that was not aired on the American Forces Network. After leaving military service, he remained in Asia, where he lived in the Japanese island of Okinawa. He worked as a dish jockey for KSBK, which was the only non-military English language station in Japan. While there, he has set uh, a Guinness Book World Records by staying on the air for 116 hours and 15 minutes. God damn, that's a gigantic Zoom file to, to fucking upload at the end of the day. Um, the money raised there allowed Bell to charter a Douglas DC-8 to fly to Vietnam and rescue 130 Vietnamese orphans stranded in Saigon at the war's end. Very fucking honorable. That's a cool thing. They were eventually brought to the United States and adopted by American families. Bell returned to the United States and studied engineering at the University of Maryland he dropped out and returned uh, to radio as a board operator and chief engineer and had the opportunity to be on the air a few times, uh, but for several years he worked behind and in front of the microphone. After a period of working in cable television in 1986, the uh, 50,000-watt KDWN in Las Vegas, Nevada, offered Bell a five-hour time slot in the middle of the night. Syndication of his program to other radio stations begin in 1993. Good year. I know that uh, yeah, he was offered back in the daytime slot when it became very popular, but he always said that he liked doing the overnight slot because he entertained like the, the working man and woman that kept kind of America running uh, realistically in general because, you know, the overnight people, the people that stock the trucks, the trucks go out and get groceries and get the buses ready and get everything ready for the people the next day. You know what I mean? I think the real, the real day, the real beginning of the day starts at midnight uh, when the first batch of people go in to start getting things ready for daytime work. You know what I mean? Now his broadcasting career uh, is pretty epic. You know, uh, Bell was a rock music disc jockey before he moved into talk radio. He always had that look of a rock star. I think that's why he was very cool, calm, and collected. You know, if you listen to the show, you know, he had a sway about him. You know, he had, uh, he, he had that kind of cool vibe to him, which was very, I definitely helped, uh, you know, I think the way he talked with the people they get the inter when he interviewed, you know, I think because he was very, if he, did, if he thought somebody was kind of full of bullshit and tell him, you know what I mean? Which is kind of out of the norm, you know, at that time, you know, you're going to, we're talking about a time when people were uh, not so easy to just be like, you're full of shit. You know what I mean? 
his original 1978 late night Las Vegas program on KDWN was a political call-in show under the name West Coast AM. In 1988, Bell and Alan Kerberth renamed the show Coast to Coast AM and moved its broadcast from the Plaza Hotel in Las Vegas to Bell's home in Badamp. Bell abandoned conventional political talk in favor of topics such as gun control and conspiracy theories, leading to a significant bump in his overnight ratings. The show's focus, uh, again, shifted significantly after the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995. Many in the... Which I thought I heard Buddy Buttafuoco was uh, involved with. Many... Many in the media did not want to be blamed for inciting anti-government for militia actions like the bombing. Subsequently, uh, Bell discussed offbeat topics such as the paranormal, the occult, UFOs, proto-science, and pseudoscience. A pseudoscience, as they like to say. During his tenure at the KDWN, Bell met and married his third wife, Ramona, who later handled production and management duties for the program. My kind of man, many women on the side. <laughs> An article, an article in February twenty third, nineteen ninety seven, edition of the Washington Post said that Bell was currently America's highest rated late night radio talk show host, uh, broadcast on three hundred twenty eight stations. That's kind of like the Old Bill podcast, uh, according to the Oregonian, in its. June 22nd, 1997 edition, Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell was on 460 stations in its initial peak in popularity. Uh, Coast to Coast AM was syndicated on more than 500 radio stations and claimed 15 million listeners nightly. You know, we often forget about how much volume of people used to tune into these radio shows back when you know, podcasts, podcasts killed the radio star, for sure. Uh, video, they say video killed the radio star. Podcast, uh, podcasting is like if you put an atomic bomb in the mouth and duct taped it of radio. That's kind of what podcasting did to radio. Well, I, um, actually, actually, yeah. I mean, the, the, the way I, I see it is actually that I'm, I know radio is still going on, but uh, it has diminished quite a bit over the years. I think it's more of like an evolution, I would say. Podcast is more of an evolution of, of the talk radio. At least that's how I see it. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but. Well, I agree. You know, uh, buddy, you agree with that? Well, I, I, I can see what, what Alex is talking about, but. I have to admit, I go more with Matt that uh, that uh, <laughs> that uh, podcast. Uh, I wouldn't say an evolution. I would say just you know took over. That you know, <clears throat> that's how I see it. That you know, podcast is uh, it's kind of like uh, you know. Uh, you know how, you know, before computers, you know, you just, you had to calculate things in your head. You had to, you had to, it, it's like computers, uh, you know, took over of, you know, 
basic jobs that we had before. And I kind of saw, saw a podcast says it's kind of the same thing is that, you know, podcasts are just taking over and pushing out the radio. I mean, the radio is still going on, but I don't think it has the same numbers that it used to. I think podcast really has kind of transplaced and kind of, I mean, it's kind of like the same thing as like those uh, self-checkouts at uh, at the stores, you know? I mean, I'm just pushing out, you know, people who need the work. I mean... I think I think the whole thing, like uh, they're pushing about, uh, you know, labor shortages and all that, is just bullshit. If you want my honest opinion, I mean, the thing is that when people, you know, bring up self checkout as, oh, they're like, you know, the ATMs at the bank and all that, that uh, you know, time moves on and we have new computers and new uh, things to make life easier, but the truth is all they're changing is instead of paying someone to ring you out, they're not paying you to do a job. They're saying, hey, you want to give me money to buy my stuff and you also have to ring it up, bag it, and, you know, do all that stuff. I mean, that's that's how it's going, in my opinion. That I mean, ev- I mean, uh, everything is becoming automated. I mean, yeah, the working sure. man's you know being. I mean? um, yeah, I, I'm. I'm just saying. I think honestly that podcast is pretty much very soon. You won't have any kind of radio stations. It'll just all be podcasts and online. Because, I mean, it's just what everything's been pushing towards. Everything's automated. If they keep on pushing to have, you know, artificial intelligence created and all that, very soon you won't have any actual people, you know, doing jobs. Everyone will be, you know, at home pushing a button and don't need people to actually, you know, Go out and work. Do you think that the death of radio is the freedom of content? Because, you know, radio had so many stipulations and red, you know, red tape, you know, language, themes, you know, uh, it just kind of became more of a marketing thing for selling products in the end where you have podcasts is really where good interviews and entertainment and it's kind of, it has no barriers. You can go four hours and do an interview if need be. You know, they're not trying to fit a 10-minute interview in with somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah, but but see, see, Matt, you have to look at it like this, okay? That's how it is right now. That's how it is right now. And that was probably the way at the very beginning of radio, the very same thing. The thing is... That when uh, it's it's kind of like you know going with the fact that I mean I know some podcasts you know they make money they have sponsors and all that and yeah I mean podcasts right now you can definitely say it's kind of the punk rock version of radio but but the 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 thing is when 
you start getting more corporate, when you start getting more, you know, investors and people like that, that start, you know, hindering your punk rockness, you know, just kind of pushing, you know, their own agenda. I mean, very soon, podcasts are going to be just like radio, just minus, you know, uh, the way it's set up. It's just a different way of pretty much doing the same thing. Very soon, what what we consider punk rock with with a podcast is going to go away and become, you know, just as corporate and... and, and Sadly, I think you're 120% correct, and you would know as being the man behind the scene. Oh, yeah. I mean, the thing is that you always have those who are on the outskirts that always are thinking, well, you know... You know, I'm tired of being, you know, controlled, what I can say, what I can push. I mean, right now, with all political correctness and with all the uh, all the people, you know, uh, hit, uh, attacking people for, uh, I mean, right now, I think uh, Dave Chappelle has been, I think Netflix has, like, had a lot of subscribers left because of... Uh, Dave Chappelle's latest, you know, comedy special where I guess he made some jokes that were offensive. And, I mean, the thing is, personally, I'm not a Dave Chappelle fan. I mean, I don't find him funny. I just don't. But I respect the man. I respect, you know, he has his own humors, his own you know, theories, his own things that he wanted to put across. Whether you accept it or whether you approve of it is immaterial to what's going on. I'm talking about that people should be allowed to voice their own opinion of what they find funny. I mean, I like I said, I don't sit and watch a Dave Chappelle uh, stand-up, because I don't find it funny. I don't find his humor funny. It doesn't talk to me. But it's not supposed to talk to me. That's the whole thing. I mean, if you start saying, well, you know what, uh, he made this joke, I think it was offensive towards this group, or towards something I care about, this, you know, bandit, and never have him, you know, voice his, his, uh, his comedy or his his beliefs. I mean, that's that's censorship, and I totally don't don't agree with that because I believe people should be able to put out their own opinions. I mean, you can definitely not agree or want to listen to it, and you have that right, and you also have that right to you know cancel your Netflix subscription because. You just don't like one show on the network. But I think that is kind of short-sighted, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. <clears throat> because I think, I think people are just way too sensitive. I mean, I understand that you have your own 
uh, things that, you know, when people say things that don't make you feel good, I understand. I mean, but but here's the thing. Instead of canceling Dave Chappelle's show or canceling what he's saying, why don't you do your own show? Why don't you, you know, put out your own voice? I mean, you can go onto YouTube and watch a hundred different movie review shows from many different people, you know, and some of them have, you know, fan bases, some don't, but there are opportunities to put toward your grievances and your point of view. And I think if you start trying to censor um, people that you don't agree with, whether, you know, you think that they have insulted you or, or a specific group, is not the answer. I think the answer, honestly, is for you to either debate or put your view out so we have both opposing views. I mean, that's just how how I think it should be done. I mean, of course, I'm kind of old-fashioned, I think, in the way I see things. And I'm sure a lot of people would be like, oh, this cancel him because he doesn't agree. So, back to Art Bell. Um, fans regarded Bell as a master showman, knowing that he called his show absolute entertainment. And expressively, he said he did not necessarily accept every guest or caller's claims, but only offered a forum where they would not be openly ridiculed. Bell was one of only a few talk show hosts who did not screen incoming calls, which is cool. He just let it ride. But this changed in 2006. On October 31st, Halloween, uh, in 2006, the edition of Coast to Coast AM renamed for the night uh, to Ghost to Ghost AM. Bell was asked why he was now using call screeners. The explanation given uh, was that for him to use an unscreened open phone line while in the Philippines would require listeners to call there directly at enormous, uh, enormous cost to them. Art admitted that he should have chosen New Zealand instead of the Philippines as an alternative to U- the USA. He said it was a bad choice and I'll regret it uh, one day in the near future. Um, Bell has earned praise for those who declare that the paranormal deserves a mature outlet of discussion in the media, as well as the approval of those simply amused by the nightly parade of bizarre, typically fringe topics. Alexandra's favorite fringe <laughs> topic. Well, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's that's. I mean, going off. I mean, going with what uh, Buddy said and. And and uh, Art Bell's, you know, it's you might not agree with. I mean, heck, I mean, I had a friend that you know he would tell me the most outlandish conspiracy theories, and he'd have notes and notebooks, and he's showing me all these different things, showing how uh, the government's corrupt. Everyone's you know working together, and 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 you know, causing wars for profit and all that, which, 
I mean, honestly, is is, is scary and 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 and, and uh, unnerving to even think about. I mean, most of us would rather just just you know forget about it and uh, turn a blind eye to it. Yeah. Um. But I mean, as as, as Buddy said, that people should have the uh, the the. I think people have the right, and also I believe that they should be allowed to put through their views, no matter how, whether you can consider them crazy or all that. But the thing is that at the same time, if so, I mean, I believe in back in the old days, you know, someone could stand up on the soapbox and tell you the most craziest shit imaginable and then right next to him is a guy saying the exact opposite and they you know you're there and you're listening to both views now the thing is that when you you know look at all these a lot of these people now and they're putting out these views and people just you know shoot them down and ignore them that's just going to make them more angry and and the thing is, people want to be heard. Now, my belief when it comes to uh, just talking, I think that's if if people just learn to talk and listen to each other. Nowadays, the idea of debate is like totally gone. People uh, just uh, go on the internet and they're like, "Well, this is what I believe." And anyone who does not believe what I say is an idiot. All right. Now, that doesn't, doesn't help anybody. That doesn't affect change. All that does is piss other people who says, Oh, because I don't agree with you, I'm an idiot? Well, then you're an idiot. And then it's called, uh, then you're just, you know, pissing into the wind. Right. The fact is that what I think should be brought back is the art of debate where people can, I mean, you go back as, as, as late as uh, uh, the last two political elections. Okay. And you have these debates. Now I'm not saying that the debates before uh, those last two elections we've had were, you know, perfect. But at least there was an attempt to actually talk about the subjects and there was an attempt to actually, you know, put opposing sides. I mean, you go and you watch the last two um, uh, elections and the debates, it's nothing more than kids in the, in the kindergarten playground, you know, insulting each other. That's not a debate. That's just, you know, stupidity. And that's the problem I find that we are dealing with right now. That the people just, and, and, I mean, people are just so close minded right now. Everyone's like, well, you know, this is how I believe, and nothing's going to change what I believe. And it's like, then in that case, you're the idiot. No matter what side of the fence you are in, I might agree with what you are saying, but if you are not open to the possibility of either 
your belief not being 100% right or that you might be 100% wrong, if you're not open to listening to the other side and trying to figure out... Because when you look at both sides, you're going to be right on some cases and you're going to be on wrong in some cases. There's going to be a point where the guy you don't agree with actually is 100% right. You might be 100% wrong on something else, but you have to take the... The points from both sides and put them together to actually accomplish something. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. For sure. Um, you know, he had, a lot, he had a lot of cool regular guests on the show that got their first kind of pop, maybe not their first pop off, but definitely a lot of more attention um, being on his show. You have a, a dude like Ed Dames, uh, known for like the Stargate Project, um, which was kind of like, uh, you know, investigating the potential of psychic phenomena in the military and domestic intelligence applications. You know what I mean? Um, we talked about that in a previous show before I know the, you know, the military using psychic, trying to figure out how to do psychic stuff. Uh, Richard C. Hoagland was also in there. He's known for various conspiracy theories about NASA, lost alien civilizations on the moon and on Mars and other related topics like that. Terrence McKenna, uh, who's uh, uh, Jeremy Tyke lookalike, you know what I mean? Say that. <laughs> uh, he likes to experiment. Uh, he's very big on, you know, he was kind of the first dude that really kind of came out about how hallucinogenic drugs could be good for, you know, getting through things like depression and, uh, you know, trauma, past life trauma and stuff and all that. Uh, I stand all, behind that. <laughs> all these people are very interesting, interesting folks. You know what I mean? Definitely uh, go seek out their episodes if you can. You also, Danny and Brinkley, I was on there a lot. He was an author. Um, wrote wrote a cool book about near death experience. You know what I mean? Uh, cl- clinically, he was st- struck by lightning, and clinically, he died for approximately twenty eight minutes. Uh, and he told the tale of a dark tunnel and the whole Hukamaka Dukadaki. I won't go into it. I'll let y'all listen to the episode. But uh, being down for the count for twenty eight minutes sounds like a problem to me. Uh, I always heard if you were if you were if you were no longer with us for more than three minutes that uh, you were no longer allowed to sit at the adult table at Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? You had to sit at the children's table. I heard. Um, so twenty eight minutes is uh, that's quite a journey. He, it's like he dipped out and watched an episode of Roseanne with God, and then he came back and said, "Okay, let's uh, let's party. Let's, let's do it." Um, next up was David John Oates. You know what I mean? He gained publicity when it, he was, it was mentioned on a, uh, uh, what do you call it? Mentioned on a, uh, Art Bell's Night. Uh, you know, he's, he, his whole deal was, uh, based upon the theory that during, during spoken language production, human speakers subconsciously produce hidden messages. Uh, you know what I mean? Which is interesting. Also, Robert Bigelow, he's a very successful American businessman, owns the hotel chain The Budget Suites of America, and uh, founder of Bigelow Aerospace. He's used his wealth to provide financial support for investigated 
uh, UFOs and parapsychological topics. You know what I mean? Which is uh, killer, killer, and uh, the quest that we go for. Now, like we said, coast to coast is still killing it, still going today. Uh, new shows, new host, of course. George Norrie um, is now hosting the show, which not to be confused with the My Pillow guy, even though they they look a lot alike. You know what I mean? Um, George Norrie was a dude that was on our show back in the day as well, uh, and he was known for like kind of mafia conspiracy type stuff, which I always get down with. Um, you know, I know he had one. The one that po- that jumps to my head uh, immediately is the 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 Marilyn Monroe JFK. Uh, how they all got what they really got killed over was supposedly alien info, where JFK brought Monroe to Area Fifty One and showed her the alien craft in the in, in the alien body, you know, because he's he's big boss man, so he could, he could do that type of thing to impress her. Uh, and then I guess when they were on the outs, because unfortunately, as stories go, Marilyn Monroe sadly was just like a, a rag doll for these for the mafia and political people. It was like an unfortunate event. And um, then she died, uh, and she did not die of I that her dying of uh, by accident. I always thought was like one of the most gullible things in the book. There's so many people. They kind of didn't want her. And yeah, she was sad, but I don't know. But his story goes that uh, she was bumped off because she was going to tell the media about what she's seen. You know what I mean? Take that for what it is. But that was uh, that's the George Norrie story that sticks out to me from memory. You know what I mean? Uh, Bell's own interests, uh, however, extended beyond the paranormal. You know, he interviewed singers, Chris, Crystal Gale, Willie Nelson, which there was a cool Willie Nelson story where a guest call, uh, called, uh, not a guest, uh, like a, a listener called in and wanted to sing like Amazing Grace or something like that uh, with Willie Nelson. That was a dream in life. And I guess they got to sing a duet on the, uh, they did a, a duet on the radio that was, it was pretty cool. Uh, it can only be equated to recently I heard on uh, the Legion of Skanks podcast, they sang a, uh, a tribute for uh, a comedian that overdosed on some fentanyl. They did a Hootie and the Blowfish song, Hold Her Hand, and that, that was like surprisingly moving. Uh, so I, I equate them together. Merle Haggard was in the building, hagging things up. Eric Berdon, Gordon Lightfoot, which I know is Alex's favorite. Uh, if Alex wants to get wild on a Tuesday night, he throws on some Gordon Lightfoot and drinks a couple bottles of Jack Daniels and goes for a walk. Well, 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 it's, it's, it's John. It's John when you've known Jack as long as I have. <laughs> it's just plain John. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Lightfoot, I mean, heck, uh, is, is always a good time. Yeah, yeah. The classic comedian George Carlin was on the show. That's definitely a good one because Carlin is a genius, uh, super intellectual. A lot of opinions and a lot of great ideas flowed from that man, as well as the comedy. So that's a. It's cool to see Art Bell just kind of like hit him with the questions and the answers that George Carlin has. That's always a good one. 
uh, the writer Dean Coons, you know, from the science fiction uh, and horror tales that he's kind of been known for. He's kind of a, I wouldn't want to call him, I wouldn't want to call him secondhand Stephen King because I, I, that's, probably, <laughs> that's probably very disrespectful to him. But uh, I, he's kind, he does like Stephen King books, I believe, like that type of deal. But um, some circles, people might think he's bigger than Stephen King. I don't know for sure. And I have some Dean Coons books in my library. So uh, much respect to Dean Coons, you know what I mean? Um, science, also science fiction writer Greg Beer was there. The X-Files creator Chris Carter was up in the building, a Millennium creator. Uh, that's a good interview. T- Regis Philburn uh, was in it. That's not that great of an interview. Star Trek actor Leonard Nimoy was in there. That was great. Uh, great discussion on aliens with that. When Dan Aykroyd was on, that was also a great discussion. For anybody out there that don't know, Dan Aykroyd is a big believer in UFOs and alien life. And uh, it's fun just to listen to him go, go, go. And getting him on Behold the Pill podcast would be a dream come true. So, Mr. Aykroyd, if you're listening, I would only ask you a couple questions about why we didn't see Dr. Detroit 2. And the rest would be all about alien life, my friend, and ghosts, of course. Never um, forget that uh, that uh, he uh, he was in uh, Coneheads. I think he did a little uh, little uh, method acting there. Maybe he uh, got in a little spaceship and uh, went to France, so to speak. <laughs> a fun fact about Coneheads, which is. Uh, in in the in the film, he's given a fake driver's license. It says it's for, he's from Brockton, Massachusetts, which is the home fucking town of Buddy Butterfuka. Heck yes, Brockton all the way. <laughs> Not that anybody should go kill Buddy Butterfuka in Brockton, Massachusetts. Whoa, 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 whoa! We, yeah, we don't want that. Keep him around forever. He lasted this long in the game. Let him, let him, let him get some more time. I think I got a few more good years left in me. Again, I don't know about good, but you got years left in you. <laughs> Actress Jane Seymour has been on the show. Actress Ellen Muth. Actor and TV host Robert Stack. Killing it, dude. Human rights lawyer John Loftus. Legendary dish jockey Casey Kasem. Uh, UFC commentator. Uh, Joe Rogan to talk about podcasting. I don't think there's a bigger podcast in the world than the Joe Rogan experience. Um, and this is when he was just, you know, I, I think that he was doing the podcast before the, the UFC thing happened, but I could be dead wrong. Comedy came first, of course. But uh, so if he was just going on, Art Bell is just the UFC commentator before he had his podcast. And I, I'd be safe to say, uh, our pal gigantic influence on Joe Rogan. And if he's just on the show, I'm going to go and say it's probably safe to say he's a gigantic influence on Joe Rogan. You know what I mean? Uh, beginning in the late 19 in late 1996, Bell was criticized for reporting rumors that the comet Haley Bob was being trailed by a UFO. Uh, some speculated that members of the Heaven's Gate group committed mass suicide based on the rumors. Bell aired, but others dismissed the idea, noting that the Heaven's Gate website stated whether Haley Bob has a companion or not is irrelevant from our perspective. Susan Wright reported, however, 
that Bell was also one of the first to publicize expert opinions refusing the alien companion, said you have been shadowing Haley Bob, such as that published in 1998 from the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, suggesting that the satellite's main diameter is 30 kilometers, uh, which is 20 miles, and accordingly natural rather than artificial. So that's interesting. That I, I that was kind of one of the things that I found very interesting in my research. In my research, Alexander the Hawk, that was uh, him him talking about the being the first person to bring up aliens behind Haley. I wonder if that bothered him because uh, the one thing you know, if if he was to have passed due to taking. I'll say this. People speculate that he killed himself with pain pills uh, or somebody else killed him. That, that's kind of the vibe. And to take to go to subscribe to suicide. Yeah, he heard a lot of crazy things. Um, it, you know, he who's to say he could be Robin Williams type deal where he had some. I know that and, and he had a lot of health issues later in life. Um, one of those things. But. If it, I wonder if there was a sadness there. I wonder if he felt some type of guilt over this Haley Bob thing. I know they took the, the 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 credit off of him, but a cult would do that so they're not saying they're not giving credibility to like a rock shock ghost host. You know what I mean? It'd be kind of like them saying, "Well, no, 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 what he's, he's talking about something different," even though it is kind of what sparked it. Um. And the Haley Bob, dude, Heaven's Gate is, uh, that's our cult. That's our cult, the cult of our time, I think. Because uh, yeah. I remember that from our youth. We've talked about that on the show before. If anybody has a tip on getting me some of those Nikes, size 13s, <laughs> size okay. 13s, perfect Christmas present to be a boy in that fish. Yeah, just don't drink the Kool-Aid, dude. Uh, never drink the Kool-Aid. Unless never it's drink ice. the Kool-Aid. Well, I, I mean, I mean... <clears throat> Thing is, I don't know. I all that could be could could be it. Um, yeah. I I mean, unlike you and Buddy, I only recently even heard about Art Bell. Only who started recently looking into him. The impression I get is from from what I've seen. I really doubt that uh, he killed himself. I mean, you can argue that maybe. Uh, he, you know, accidentally overdosed or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I, I have a hard time. It's it's one of those things. Maybe he, but one of his uh, stories just hit a little too close to home for someone in power, and uh, they, they decided that it was time to uh, get rid of Art Bell at that time. Well, you know, and Art Bell, he was trying to do good things, you know, like it said, with the money that they raised, they went over and, you know, tried to help out the kids type deal. When you're in a position like that, do you think all the stuff that we hear, even though it's open line stuff and anything can supposedly go, I'm sure there was a lot more darker things they were sent. Uh, I know that he had, you know, people... There was people that went out was shooting guns outside of his house with his kid and his wife and stuff. So, like, it's a very stressful type deal. Whenever you're in that field in a big way, it's always kind of nerve-wracking, I feel. You know what I mean? 
But uh, I did want to, I want to talk about a couple of the episodes that really stick, stuck out to me as ones that were, that I loved. And the first episode that I, that really fucking stuck with me would have to be the Area 51 call in where it was open line, I believe, where they were talking about Area 51, what the story was. And dude calls up and he's frantic and he's scared. And, uh, you know, He's a former employee. Uh, he was let go on medical discharge. Uh, he sounds like he's, you know, crazy, but not quite crazy, you know, which is another element that you have to consider with the guests. And even sometimes, uh, I mean, the guests, sometimes the guests and a lot of the people that call in is like, they believe it so heavy uh, that it's like, it makes you believe it. Even if they sound a little far-fetched, you know what I mean? They're really... Uh, and this was, who's to say, you know what I mean? But uh, his whole pitch was, you know, he said that it, it's not aliens. It was in, uh, extra dimensional beings that a precursor to the space program made contact with. Now, that phrase in itself horrifies me because the idea of them trying to make contact with whatever's out there and are mostly ghostly. We talk about portals and, you know, Ouija boards and stuff where it's like if you try and open up a door, something negative will see that door, that line of communication uh, and kind of come to you. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I do believe that, you know what I mean? So like I do vibe the, 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 the idea that they were trying to make contact with something and make contact with something that they didn't want to make contact with, but did, and they got tricked by it. You know what I mean? So, so they <laughs> some, some doors just should not be opened. I mean, that's, I mean, <laughs> I mean that that's the thing that always boggles my mind is that the the fact, plain fact, that I am sure. I mean, whether it's interdimensional beings or whether we're talking about aliens from Mars or Pluto or wherever, the fact is that. Uh, I think it's kind of uh, short-sighted to, you know, go out and, you know, try and contact some of these uh, uh, beings for the simple fact that, you know, it's you don't poke something you don't understand because you don't know what the reaction is going to be. I mean, we can always hope that we're going to bump into an E.T., you know, who's going to be, you know, a a benevolent uh, being or creature that wants to, you know, show us things that we'll never even imagine. But the reality is it's probably not going to be uh, so... um, lovable and cuddly as as some images have put forward yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I believe that uh, the 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 thirst the the I don't know the want to explore and to find out the unknown I mean is a a good goal. I mean, we should not just stay within ourselves. We should be explorers, but we should be careful. Not every door should be open. 
Not every uh, thing that passes above us in the sky should be contacted. We have to be careful what we decide to do and what we put forward. Because, you know, something that we might think is a friendly handshake could, you know, come across to another being as a sign of aggression. Or maybe the other being is just openly aggressive. I mean, it's, you never know until you poke the beast, and I believe that before you poke the beast... I agree. You... I agree completely, man. Uh, September 11th, this this call happened on September 11th, too, which we've talked about in episodes recently. I don't know if you listen to him, buddy, but we talked about him in episodes recently, how, like, uh, in the 9-11 episode, not, that 9-11 actually hold, like, holds a meaning and uh, for, for, uh, for the folks who did it. But just in history like that, 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 that date has played, played into uh, dark times. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know the fact that they when they talk about how the, the the government could move people, but they don't want to because they want uh, damage, yeah, and they want to be able to control. Like that is the reality of him uttering those words is enough to make you stop dead in your tracks, walking on a nice hot beach. <laughs> you know the reality of that. Just uh, it sounds it's horrif- horrifyingly real. You know what I mean. Um, with this one, you know, some people speculate that it, that it ain't real, that it's a work, you know what I mean? Which it could be, who's to say, I don't, I, I it's very believable, Academy Award winning performance, if, if not real. Um, somebody did, I think a few people came forward and said it was them, but you're going to get that, you know what I mean? Um, and another thing I wanted to bring up real quick, uh, you know, if, if, it, if it, if the caller itself was fake. Um, no, now did you guys get a chance to hear this call? Yeah, I heard. I heard. I uh, heard a bit of that call, and uh, I mean, it definitely, and um, it definitely sounds like the guy, the caller himself, definitely believed it. Now. And with that being said, now, buddy, I'm sure you feel the same way as Doc, man. Now, with that being said, um, even if you were to say that, the, the, if you were to question the caller being fake, the, the fact that the satellite goes out, which is bigger than everybody at that studio, you know what I mean? Which, Hawkman, I know you like to talk about these things. What's your take on even if the call was fake? The idea that he was saying shit that was too real made somebody in a bigger in a, a bigger position hit the fucking red button on him and go this 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 shouldn't be this can't be heard you know what I mean? Well, I mean it's a funny thing when you're dealing with something like that. Yeah, and uh, of course, and for all we know, the big man upstairs is sitting back. He's he's drinking the brewski. And he's listening to our show, not because he's actually interested in what we have to say, but just wondering, you know, if we stumble across something that might be considered too too hot to handle or uh, might be too 
diversive uh, in the global zeitgeist of of, of our situation. Yeah. Um, thing is, and this is a funny thing that I don't think uh, those in charge always consider, but I'm putting it out there, especially if they're listening, uh, that if you want to give credibility to someone you don't want to give credibility to, do something like that. Shut yeah. off the satellite. Have them disappear. That kind of stuff. Because then the question remains, why did all of a sudden the satellite cut out? Okay? At that specific moment. Why did that guy suddenly disappear and we never hear from him again? I mean, could it be just one off cook that, oh yeah, he he said these things and then he just was crazy and he just ran into the street and got hit by a car. That, uh, I don't believe in that kind of coincidences. I believe that um, there are things at work that we don't know about and we'll probably never find out about. Yeah. I mean, when when something like that happens at that point, you do have to ask yourself, could it be a coincidence? Could it just happen that a piece of, like, uh, I don't know, space debris happened and bumped into the satellite and made it wonky for those uh, for that moment? Yeah, yeah, that is completely possible. Could also be possible that, one of the higher ups, like Matt said, that you know, I was like, "Oh my God, uh, he's saying things that people might actually either believe or fact check." Yeah, I. But I mean, unless you know, we can go back and check the uh, transcri- uh, tra- transcripts or who was working on the satellite that day. Uh, we won't know, but. Uh, the possibility definitely is. And the thing is, honestly, if I was just listening to that and the satellite did not go out and it went its full course, I'd probably be like, uh, this is just some unhinged guy that, you know, is off his meds. But the fact that the satellite cut out gives that guy a lot more credibility. Yeah. No, I agree with you completely. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, yeah, I always thought that one really uh, horrified me. Uh, Maybe my most favorite of the evidence. Uh, Spoiler and teaser: uh, the ending, little uh, ending, little bit outro uh, is gonna be gonna be that very Colin. Yeah. Johnny, tell them what they won. All right, you ready? Next up, we also have um, in the late 90s, Ed Dames, the gentleman who wrote a book, uh, he was on there. He claimed to run a team uh, of remote viewers. Um, now, he said that these, uh, they were able to kind of uh, perceive far away things, you know, from different, you know, from like be in Japan, be able to know what's going down, as well as see the future. That was uh, this group. That was their thing. And he said that uh, for the next decade from this point, which I was in the 90s, like in the late 90s, he said everything was going to be good. He said, and then 
he didn't see anything. Um, and he called it a discon, uh, discon, uh, discontinuity. I lost my brain for a second there. Um, but, uh, he, he, he says that he, and he, he speculated he doesn't know what happens, but he thinks solar events fried the earth. Now, there's another gentleman we'll talk about a little bit about whenever people have these speculatory things of end of the world type stuff, which you don't know for sure. So, like, when you hear them, they kind of dig in deep, like, ooh, like a little knife in the heart, a little bit like, ooh, like there's a little something on this one. You know what I mean? Because you go, I could be hearing, I could be hearing, uh, you know, the seventh seal type stuff here. This could be, this date could be an important date type deal. You know what I mean? Um, but very crazy, uh, very crazy. Did you, did you get into the Ed Dame stuff at all, Alex, in your research? If no, no bigs. Um, no, not really. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, there's there's a lot that I wasn't got and in, got into yet. Yeah, but, uh, I'm with you, buddy. I won't ask you because you're just a guest, my friend. But um, <laughs> I'm, uh, ask away. Well, what do you what do you know about Ed Dames? Well, I have to admit, I don't know that much. But uh, uh, but you uh, tell us uh, what. Uh, what you know about this? Well, I just told the world a little bit about him, but I don't want to go too deep. I'm going to let them do some on their own. But the remote view, he run the team of remote viewers uh, that could see far away distances as well as the future. And uh, that he seen that there was no future, which is the most devastating news of all is uh, his news to spread amongst the people. You know what I mean? Which I think we could all find a little fearsome nature in that. Uh, you know what I mean? Whenever somebody says, let me tell you about the future, but I can't tell you after seven years, you kind of go, hmm, there could be an issue there. Maybe they're trying to, it's like that whole, if you go back in the, it's like the butterfly effect. You don't want to change anything. You know what I mean? When you go back, you can't go tell somebody when they're going to die. It goes right to back to the future with a good old doc. You know what I mean? Yeah, actually, it's funny that um, you're saying that. I mean, uh, the the person that I actually uh, 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 read about a bit was uh, this guy John Titor. Um, yeah, yeah, he was he was claiming to be a uh, a time traveler on Art Bell's show. Yeah, and um, yeah, he was. Uh, it was talking about the bleak future of uh, like a second civil war, which is supposed to splinter America into like five factions, leaving a new capital based in Omaha. I mean, of all places, Omaha, really? And uh, World War Three breaks out in like 2015, with uh, starting with Russia and the U.S. Of course, of course, trading nukes uh, and ending <laughs> with three billion dead. Then on top of all that, a computer bug delivers uh, some kind of like Y2K uh, spreading, destroying, you know, the world as we know it kind of thing. I, yeah. it's, 
Yeah, and and <laughs> yeah, he had a lot of 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 like so out there and stuff that you know, of course, hasn't happened. We haven't experienced, but as far as it, it, he said that you know had happened, and 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 the thing that I loved about him more than anything else was he had this general disclaimer saying that that was his reality. Saying that, you know, you know, it might not be our, because he says, you know, there's possible different realities, different outcomes. And, and he was claiming that uh, he came back um, uh, uh, for a little R&R. And he really? decided to, you know, drop, drop this, you know, bit of knowledge on, onto us. <laughs> which I mean, to be perfectly honest, out of uh, most of the uh, different uh, people Art Bell had on the show, he's the one I, I have to say I have the least amount of faith of uh, anything he said. <laughs> That's cold. Well, I, I mean, I mean, the thing is, to be perfectly honest. Uh, when it comes to time traveling, I mean, heck, I love time traveling movies. I love, I love the idea and the concept. But um, I really don't think that's uh, ever going to be a reality. It is a tough one to kind of, it's a tough one to kind of swallow. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I was like, yeah, but I mean. Then again, I mean, if 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 time traveling is is reality, let's you know be you know devil's advocate here. Let's say time traveling is going to be as common as Ubers are right now. That in you know another thirty years, uh, you can just you know ah, I'm going. I want to go hang out in the Egyptian pyramids. So that's. Uh, Let's, you know, time travel to that time and hang out with, like, uh, you know, some pharaoh or something. Mm. And then, of course, the question then remains is the, you know, implications of, you know, because, like you said, it's the butterfly effect. I mean, you can't go back into the past without changing the future. And then, of course, if you're going with what he says that, oh, there's, you know, this is my reality. It's not necessarily your reality. Then the question you have to ask yourself is that, so in the normal reality, did uh, World War II end with the Germans winning? And some time travel came back and changed that? Maybe we're living in a different reality right now mm. than from the you know original reality. But the thing is, there's no way to 100% uh, prove any of that. You've been hanging out with Terrence McKenna too much. <laughs> Rest in peace. Uh, in 1998, late night paranormal talk host Art Bell received two faxes from an individual claiming to have pertinent information on the nature of time travel. In the first fax, the sender, at that time unnamed, detailed the discovery of time travel involving the particle accelerator at CERN in the year 2034. He also claimed that a brick wall existed in the timeline and that no traveler could breach the year 2564. 
goosebumpy stuff. You know, that's very creepy. I want to know why they can't. You know what I mean? Why there is a why you can they can't you 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 master something as complex and crazy as time travel, and then you tell me, well, you can travel through time, but you can't go past this year. That makes me kind of go. Something big happens in that year. That's a big year. You know. What oh, I mean, actually, uh, I, I got to jump in on this. Um, I think I, I think I I have an answer for that. Oh yeah. I think I know. I know about that wall. I think that's the wall Donald Trump actually built. Donald Trump actually built the wall. It's a time-traveling wall. It wasn't the wall that we thought he was going to build. So he actually accomplished what he said he was going to People would have supported him more if he said it was a time-travel wall. He just hasn't thought of it yet. He won't until, what was it, 2024? 2034, yeah. 2564 is when we can't, there's a wall, a brick wall. Um, You know, the the second fact, while less detailed, promise photographic evidence as well as scans of the Traveler's Time Machine Operations Manual. On November 2nd of 2000, an individual using the forum username Time Travel Zero posted at the Time Travel Institute in a thread titled Time Travel Paradoxes. Um, Wow. Paul is right on the money. I was just about to give up hope, but anyone knowing who Tipler or Kerr was in this word line. By the way, number two is the correct answer. and The basis for time travel started CERN in about a year and ended 2034 with the first time machine built by GE. Uh, Too bad we can't post pictures or I'd show it to you. (laughs) <laughs> this is taken from somebody's gimmick here. On January 27, 2001, the same user appeared on Art Bell's post-to-post BBS, creating a new thread titled, I am from 2036. Greetings. I am, this is, this is what the post was. Uh, greetings. I am a time traveler from the year 2036. I am on my way home after getting an IBM 5100 computer system from the year 1975. Sounds like my buddy Bobby. My time machine is a stationary mass tempora, temporal displacement unit manufactured by General Electric. The unit is powered by two top spin dual positive singularities that produce a standard offset Tipler sinusoid. I will be happy to post pictures of the unit. Uh, sounds like you should buy stock in General Electric is what it sounds like. Uh, the individual posting is John Teeter, went on to answer questions, uh, detail the functions and design of his time machine, and provide, provide alleged photographs of the time machine and its operations manual. And there was pictures that you can find online, which are interesting, and uh, it looks like a, a defibrillator a little bit. Uh, for heart attack syndrome, when you catch a heart attack <laughs> syndrome, yeah, that's, that's how, how I travel. Time. Just give, Just me, give a little, me a little, a little start, a little on, start the on the ticket, and I'll find myself, I'll find myself in twenty thirty-five, twenty thirty-five, wherever, wherever. <laughs> I hear you on that, buddy. I hear you on that. Um, on March twenty-fourth, two thousand one, John Teeter shared his final message. 
uh, which was, I will be leaving this world line shortly, and this will be my final post. He wrote, uh, true to his word, he never posted again. To this day, no one knows uh, his true identity, his true name, his appearance, location. It's all a mystery. Uh, and if he was an actual time traveler, as he claimed to be, uh, yeah, he's just gone. He's no longer in the mix. You know what I mean? Now, as far as stuff like that goes, um, you know, some of the things that he said that would happen didn't quite happen, you know what I mean? And we can tip into them real quickly without taking up uh, super crazy time. But he said a nuclear war was coming, which is horrifying. and sounds very realistic, you know what I mean, in the time that we live in. Um, a world war... A uh, world war in 2015 killed nearly 3 billion people. He said that in November of 2000. Um, that's how you fucking scare people. Say five years, nuclear war is coming. It kills 3 billion people. Um, like I said before on the show, I don't think the future of war is nuclear. I think it's going to be sickness and natural disasters and shit. So maybe maybe he was on to something, but not quite there. Uh, very quite possibly when the truth comes out people have to change their plan you never know um according to his story uh, he began his journey in 2036 growing up in florida uh experienced both domestic conflict in the form of civil war um you know what i mean followed by a worldwide nuclear war in 2015 so the civil war people argue uh, that's coming people like to talk about that we'll see how that goes uh, the effects of these conflicts were disastrous, and much of uh, Teeter's story involved his contempt for the people of our time period, his dystopian future. He, th- he thought could have been avoided, of course. Uh, but as for our world line, Teeter often mentioned a roughly 2.5% divergence in timeline while traveling. This meant our future wouldn't necessarily match up with his past, especially after his appearance on our timeline. And while returning to his original world line and family was possible, he also described it as tricky. The question is then, if you choose to ask, did Tito change our world line simply by being here? I'd hope so. I mean, I'd hope not, because that'd be some selfish shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's it's... I mean, like I said, if you believe in the idea of time traveling, you believe in the idea of, you know, people are being able to go back and and changing, I mean, even by just simply, I mean, we've seen millions of different stories, we've seen the different movies and all that, with the idea that, you know, even the littlest thing that you do can change the timeline. Now, the fact is, if this guy supposedly actually was a time traveler, yeah. uh, the question I would have to say is that, okay, was he just 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 some schmo that created a time machine and went back? Or was he part of a group of people that is supposed to go back and either fix things and all that because... Like you said, I mean, if if this is if this actually happened, if he was really a time traveler and he came back and he gave us this information, 
the fact by doing that is going to automatically change our future, whether it's going to be for the better or for the worse. I mean, you're not going to know. And then, of course, the question you have to ask yourself is if this guy really is a time traveler, and what was his purpose? He said he was back for R&R? That, that just... <laughs> and then, of course, he decided that instead of just, you know, hanging out on the beach and having a few drinks and enjoying himself, he decided to, hey, I'm going to tell people I'm a time traveler. I'm going to tell them this is the future I came from. I mean, I'm, I just don't buy it. I mean, it just sounds like some guy who was bored. Yeah, I'm with you on that. These world lines ending uh, is a scary thought, too. Now, world lines I'm taking is a bloodline, so to speak, where it's you have a bloodline that keeps going and going, and then eventually, you know, it could end, uh, and the bloodline's over. It's a world line where it's a world that keeps going, 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 and then one day it could end. You know, the... You know, one thing that nobody ever thinks about is the, the crazy idea that, well, I'm sure people think of it. I try not to, that the world could just, the reality of it getting too cold that we all die or too hot that we all die or something like that, or maybe something knocks up, us off our orbit a little bit and causes things to get wild. You know, it's, uh, it's kind of a crazy deal. You know what I mean? I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to have to deal with that shit, y'all. Now, uh, that's some crazy Shaitor. Now, John Titor could get his own episode. Maybe in the future we'll dive into it. And for time restraints, we'll cruise into uh, next up here. Um, kind of in the same realm. That's why it's a good segue. But Andrew Baisago is a lawyer, but uh, he was a big whistleblower on the CIA, time travel. And uh, teleportation to Mars, okay, which is uh, crazy. He claims he's been to Mars many times, and he's observed that they got water, several human types, animals, and plants, you know what I mean? Uh, very crazy stuff, you know what I mean? Whenever you, because it's unknown, it's, it's super unknown, like the Soundgarden album, you know what I mean? So when somebody says... Oh, I was on this planet and everything was like snakes, land and water. And, uh, they just talked tele- telepathically through their brain. You know what I mean? The way Buddy Butterfuco talks to me. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, uh, who's to say nobody can actually argue and say, no, I don't think so because nobody really knows for sure. Uh, and the imagination is probably closer to reality than just naysaying, you know what I mean? Uh, but this gentleman, you know, says he goes over to Mars. And I, uh, you'd have to be, uh, lawyers are, are paid very well, but I feel like you need to be in a higher bracket uh, to go to Mars back in the time this dude was rolling out to Mars, you know what I mean? I feel like only a select flu, uh, COVID, only a select few, uh, able to go to Mars. I mean, it took it took them until what? Maybe in the last ten years for Lance Bass from NSYNC to be able to go to the moon or just go into space or wherever he did. You think some lawyers just going to be able to go to the fucking Mars and dilly dabble with the 
the other alien life and plants and plants and well, I, I mean, it depends. It depends on the uh, cocaine he he was taking at the time. That's true. Lawyers do get the best cocaine. I'm I'm, sh- I'm sure it was a combination of cocaine and LSD mixed together that uh, helped him in his transportation to Mars. Lawyers and Buddy Butterfuco have the best, and police officers have the best cocaine around. <laughs> you know it, buddy. Good man, good man. You know, there's a dude named uh, David Race Bannon. Uh, I want to bring him up because if this is true, it makes me smile and have hope for a positive world. But supposedly he talked about how he worked for Interpol uh, in an elite assassin group that targeted child trafficking, which I can enjoy because uh, that, you know, the they need to go, they need to traffic something else other than kids or people, you know what I mean? That's no good. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, uh, I, I would love to think that, uh, that was happening, but I unfortunately have the belief that most of those that would have the resources to make sure that there's an assassin group targeting those sex traffickers, those child traffickers, unfortunately, are mostly the ones who are involved in those kind of un- unthinkable uh, things. I know, man. I know. I know. It sucks. I'm with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's like, uh, I mean, how many uh, millionaires are there in the U.S. and none of them ever became Batman? Right, well, you know, nobody knows who Batman is. That's the thing. Maybe Batman's out there fighting crime, and there's so much crime you just don't hear about that. I I would be willing to bet because there's so many people that love comic book movies and being a hero and the vigilante vibe of knowing there's no trouble, dude. There's got to be people out there that go clean the streets, if you will. Um of undesirables, if we will, I guess. I guess then you ask who's who's the one calling calling the shots on who's undesirable because we've had different times in our history where uh, people have been claimed undesirable and treated less than human. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's 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 being it's, treated it's, humans bad enough. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's interesting because. Occasionally, I'd I'd see a uh, a thing on online where you have like a uh, a guy, uh, like a couple or a, a group of people that like you know being charged for like a murder of someone who was supposedly a pedophile. Like they find them on the like sex, uh, like the um, you know these uh, whatever the website. I forget off the top of my head that you can find. You know the pedophiles and all that, and then of course they're like, um, of course, the thing is now I definitely do not condone any of that, but I also, from what I've heard, it doesn't take much to get on that site. From from what I've heard, that I mean, someone who could you know have. Uh, for example, uh, um, 
I heard that once that there was a guy who, you know, he had to take a, take a leak. He was drinking all night. Yeah. And uh, he, he he went out to go and, and, and alleviate himself and happened to be in the school zone at a time when a cop ended up driving by. And because he was, you know, in essence, exposing himself in the school zone, he was put on that site. Yeah. Now, I mean, like I said, I I don't remember the guy's name or in the it's an article I read a while back. And the thing is that I would not be surprised that you know something like that could happen or other things where you have people that aren't those people who get lumped in for whatever reason, whether you know. Yeah, uh, they had a bad lawyer, or whether there was a uh, something else. I mean, the thing is, unless you are a hundred percent sure, and I mean, that's why you, in my opinion, you should not take the law into your own hands. Even though I don't trust the law within itself, because there's a lot of corruption within that. Yeah, but there's the thing is. There's always many different sides to the story. And I, and, and when you take a life, okay, there's no going, coming back from that. So, like I said, I mean, like I said, and if, if like someone, you know, if you know 100% sure that this guy is a bad guy and you caught him in the act and, you know, you, in a fit of rage, end up, you know, killing the person, then, you know, that's a mitigating circumstances and, uh, and all that. But, I mean, it's, it's one of those things when, when, I mean, I grew up watching like Batman and, and, and reading the comic books and we all, you know, there's right and wrong and we always want justice to prevail. But there's a lot of times where, you have people who think they're doing the right thing and they react. Yeah. And more innocent people get hurt because they just react. You have to, you, you got, you got to think things through. You can't just react to your gut reaction. Because, and it, like I said, it's, there's so many different things that, and like I said, I mean, it's, I mean, I know I'm just going off here, but like I said, it's just, I do believe that there should be justice, there should be um, people taking care of these people, but thing is, you also can't just go out and just shoot anyone that you think is do- is is bad, because that's where we have a lot of problems now, is that you have people who think that they're, Right, and they're taking the law in their own hands because, you know, they can't trust the, the uh, police and all that. But, you know, it's they're also in the end, you know, they're, they're, they're reacting with knee-jerk reactions and innocent people are still getting hurt because people are like, oh, I think I know what's going on, and they react to it. And because of that, that's where a lot of problems come from. I agree. 
No. I mean, the thing is, unfortunately, I there's no right, a hundred percent right answer to a lot of these things. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I was there was. I mean, we unfortunately live in a gray area. Everything, everything about our lives is just nothing but gray. It's not dialogue from Insomniac. <laughs> Uh, from one of the greatest writers I know. Ooh, I heard that Insomniac is up for free right now. Halloween time. Boombastic Media YouTube page. Type in Insomniac. Matthew Fisher short film. Matthew with one T. Treat yourself to something nice. Turn it on for the kids. It's not that. It's not that wild. I do want to tip into Father Malachi Martin real quick. He was always a great guest too. Uh, a father, of course, a man of the religious elk. Um, now, what was cool about this gentleman is he seemed pretty down to earth. Uh, always super interesting shit. You know, uh, he was big on evil, the presence of evil. Um, Lucifer in the Vatican. Uh, the church has been corrupted. You know what I mean? He's big on that. That's some dangerous shit to be saying uh, at the time he was saying it. Um, you know, and... Uh, exorcisms. There was a lot of exorcism talk um, where he'd talk about be witnessing exorcisms and stuff, and that was really correct. Did you get into any of the uh, Father Malachi Martin stuff at all, Alex? Um, no, not really. I mean, uh, I mean, I definitely hundred percent agree that there's a lot of dark stuff happening. In the Vatican, in, you know, I mean, I mean, I've said this many times before on different episodes where, you know, whether it's, it's religion or whether it's politics, I mean, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. And there's nothing more powerful than faith. True. And the thing is that when you have people, I mean, I believe that religion and faith in all that is good within itself, I think is a very personal thing. But when you have people who have power because of that, it's very easy for them to manipulate and use that power for their own own means. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, we've all seen uh, throughout the years that the veil has been pushed away, showing the deep, dark underbelly of this. I mean, it's, yeah. it's dark. It's yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's extremely dark. It's, it's, you don't know exactly if there's any light. I mean, it, it's funny. You try so hard to look into, you know, the, lighter and, and better side of human nature, but a lot of times you only see the darkness. Because yeah. the darkness is easy. As I always said, evil is easy. And it's e easy being bad. It's easy, you know, uh, turning a blind eye to someone else's pain. It takes hard work. It takes real character to stand up to fight against oppression, against the uh, evilness in the world. Mm. And um, I'll be uh, honest, I think Art Bell was a good good person who, 
who gave the opportunity for those that you know, most people in power would just shun or ignore to actually, you know, get their voices out there and heard. Yeah. I mean, whether you accept or believe what everyone says, he gave people a voice. And that's honestly, in my opinion, one of the most powerful thing anyone can give anybody is the power of voice. For sure. You know, to go with it. Yeah, and I think that uh, when that is taken away, when you are no longer to say what you believe, whether it's good or bad, whether it's, you know, I mean, I'd rather be talking to someone who who hates me, hates everything about me, hates... You're in luck. And, yeah, and, 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 and have them... Say it to my face, and and then we can, you know, most likely find the common ground, or at least try to figure out what the issue is, and then move past it. And it's, I mean, when you have people with, you know, you know, like inner turmoil or bigotry or thing, and they just bottle up. That's when I think. We have the most issues is when people tr- uh, just, you know, try to hide their resentment and it boils up inside until to the boiling point where it explodes. Yeah. I mean, that's why, I mean, I think it's it's important for us as a society to try to actually go back to, like I said, legit debates where people sit down, they, they look at the facts, they discuss you know, how they feel on these different issues and go back and forth. And maybe, maybe they will find common ground. Yeah. Because, I mean, the fact is we as a society are completely divided at this point, I think, for a lot of things. And it's always easier to be like, okay, I believe this. That person doesn't believe this. So I'm going to alienate them. I will, you know, ignore them. I will just, you know, uh, do all that. But when you got people who just, you know, put out their own own opinions and all that and then squashes anyone with a rebuttal, that's when we have issues. Yeah. Art Bell would be telling you to turn off your radio. And they'd be get and be hanging up on you right now. <laughs> You're going too long, and I'd go, "Art, that's not that's not cool, homeboy. That's not cool at all." Um, I want to finish up with uh, I don't know if uh, Martin said it or uh, if they discussed it, if it was something else. But I know that they supposedly on Art Bell. I remember hearing an episode where they had audio from hell, supposedly. Maybe in Poland or somewhere, they they lowered a microphone into some cave or something. Some cross, yeah, I heard about that. And it was super deep, and uh, the 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 audio sounds like people crying and in pain, and uh, it's hor- It's kind of really horrifying, and I uh, I equate that to our Bell Show too because I heard it there first, I think. But um, yeah, what did you think of that video, Walkman? Well, I mean, it's 
I mean, the thing is that, I mean, I, I was raised Catholic. So, so you know, heaven, hell, all that stuff. You know, I mean, I, I went to a private, uh, you know, grade school and junior high. So, you know, I took all those classes. And the thing is that uh, now I'm 40 and, and all that, I have to admit that uh, I wouldn't consider myself a uh, man of faith because I think that uh, faith is overrated. And uh, do I believe that uh, there's hell? Yeah. I believe it's right here on earth. I believe we make our own hell. And I believe that we can make our own heaven. But we as people don't want to make heaven. We don't want heaven. We want hell. And we make that. Yeah. By how we treat other people. I mean, when you decide that it's better to put down or hurt someone else, whether it's for your own gain, whether it's just because you're just upset that day, okay? I mean, all that negative energy and all that, when it could simply be just easier to just go up and say, hi, how are you doing? Hi, Instead, how are you? Yeah. See, the thing I'm is... Johnston. Yeah, I mean, we can, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, we can live in the paradise right now. But no one wants to live in the paradise. Mm. People want to live in the paradise for themselves, mm. but not the paradise for the entire human race. Mm. I mean, that's the problem that we have. I mean, we have people who are like, you know, I'm going to do whatever I have to do mm. to get, you know, that deal, that promotion, that so I can have all this money, all this, you know, wealth for myself and for my family. So we can have our own little paradise. But then again, you, you sit back and you, you, you read these articles about, you know, these people who, who seem to live, you know, great lives that have, like, all this money, all this power and all that, and you hear them about ruining their lives with drugs, alcohol, and other things. And it's like, all you have to do is wake up, eat, sleep, go to sleep, and... You you are fine. You have no worries, really, financially, okay? But people seem to... And, and of course, you, you watch movies, you read articles where most people that seem to have these perfect lives, that have all this money, the only thing, the only excuse they seem to be able to come up with for their reckless behavior or for why they do what they do is, I'm bored. That's the reason. I'm bored. Why did you decide to, you know, you know, uh, partake in 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 you know this crazy lifestyle? Well, because I was bored. I mean, right. uh, really? I mean, I don't know about you, but if I had all this, you know, money, all this ability to do something, yeah, let's say I have all the money in the world, and you know, as time goes through, I visit every part of the globe. I've done a lot of things that, all the things that I want to do. There's always something more that you can do. But yet, you know, 
instead of trying to better mankind or better themselves, heck, if you don't care about mankind, just better yourself as a person or as, you know, whatever you want to be. If you want to be the best, um, oh, CEO, be the best CEO. But that, that also requires you to actually not fall into the same trap everyone else does, which is, oh, what does it mean to be the best CEO? To make the most money. No, that means being able to have a company that benefits people and your employees and yourself. But like I said, most people don't want that. They just want to, they only look at the uh, the bottom line. I mean, how much profit did I make? How much, you know, I can now, you know, go to, you know, my summer home in Sweden, you know, three times a year instead of only twice a year. Mm. I mean, that's how we as a society look at what is winning. And the thing is that, you know, if, if people truly uh, actually, you know, spent the time and looked at trying to benefit the world as a whole, we'd be living in heaven right away. But people's, you know, need, people's greed, people's, you know, want of you know, power is what you know holds us back. I mean we live in hell. So I mean if let's say for argument's sake that you know what what we heard there on Art Bell's show was hell, I think they went a little too far. A little too deep. Because dude, you're in hell. Go 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 out on, on the street. Throw out a microphone. In the middle of New York, middle of Boston, middle of L.A. You know how many people are living and struggling on the streets right now? That's hell. We live in hell. Yeah. Because we decide we want to live in hell. I don't know if we want to live in hell, my friend. I think that, uh, I think we, I think we've created I think uh, hell, the hellacious world of kind of do what you want to do, fuck everybody else type atmosphere and vibe. I think doing that so long kind of got this world to uh, where it's at now, which I guess you can kind of equate to hell. But, you know, life, life's what you make of it, of course. You know what I mean? Uh, I hate to be the Debbie Downer and say that, but uh, it, it's easier said than done. And there's uh, extreme cases and situations where uh, happiness can't be found. You know what I mean? Uh, and I know that. And I'm not fucking trying to be uh, take anything away from that. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, you got to kind of put your best foot forward each day and hope for the best. And it's the little things in life. Be nice to somebody that you know, could use it, smile more. I like tell people all the time, you know, smiling's a big deal. Whenever people get down on their looks and stuff, I go, you know what, smile more, you know what I mean? What's more attractive than a smile? Because everybody wants to kind of, everybody wants to be happy. So if they see somebody smiling, they think they're happy. Um, and then they want to, they want what you got, you know what I mean? Uh, then you can put them in your web and, and, and destroy their life uh, for anybody out there listening, you, you animals, you crazy animals. But, uh, yeah, 
Father Malachi Martin, uh, good times, you know, shadow people. He got down with that, with the dark energies and stuff like that. You know, we've had the people on the line for a mighty hefty long time. You know what I mean? So we're going to bounce off with them real quick, but uh, we'll bounce out with the departure, you know, real quick. The death, the death of this fucking legend, this icon. Um, very sad stuff. Uh, Art Bell died April 13th, 2018 at the age of 72 at his home in Pahrump, Nevada. An autopsy was scheduled for the following days to determine the cause of his death. He has suffered from health problems in his previous years. He posted on his website in July of 2016 that he was hospitalized for pneumonia and revealed at that time that he suffered from chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. On August 1st, 2018, in the Las Vegas Review Journal reported the Clark County Coroner's Office findings, the coroner's office stated that Bell died of an accidental overdose from a cocktail of prescription drugs. The coroner's office determined that he had four prescription medications in his systems. The opioids of oxycodone or roxacet and hydrocodone or Vicodin, diazepam or Valium, and uh, carisbrodol or Soma a muscle relaxant. Soma's what wrestlers would take and be out of their... Soma's was something that you would just go to sleep and wouldn't wake up from, I hear. Um, and people that get down heavy would do Soma's. Um, but he had back issues, I believe. Not that I'm trying to justify anything. Um, because I'm looking at a long Vicodin pain pill. Valium's more to keep your head together, I think. I'm not fully... Uh, I'm not fully aware of all my my, my uh, surrounding drugs here. Uh, <laughs> I know you are, buddy. What do you got to say about these drugs? You like drugs? Well, <laughs> what can I say? I mean that that sounds like my uh, regular grocery uh, grocery list right there. <laughs> but. Uh, well, that's a good, good. Th- I mean, I mean, with all those, uh, sounds like uh, art was one kind of uh, life of the party, so to speak, with uh, with all those drugs hanging around. But um, I mean, I still, I, I don't know. I mean, I think something a little wonky was behind it, but. Uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, with uh, with all those things, that sounds like it could take out a full grown bull elephant right there. Yeah, man, I'm with you. It's uh, he's trying to. It sounds like he's trying to keep up with you, your lifestyle. <laughs> it got him. You know, a lot of Chris Farley trying to keep up with you, and you know, you know. Well, you know, a a, a real uh, fun time is when it's uh, Chris Farley, Hunter S. Thompson, and uh, Art Bell. And uh, we all go out and, uh, you know, uh, paint the town red, white, and blue. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, even I don't think I would... uh, be messing with all those drugs at the same time. I I I believe in uh, 
rationing it out, you know, over a weekend. Not on a school night. Not on the school night. Never on the school night. So we got nothing but love for Art Bell. You know, go check out the, uh, the check out the show. He's had a few shows. You know what I mean? Hour. You could be in that. You could spend weeks in a hole on Art Bell. You know what I mean? Uh, he's an author. Uh, he wrote The Quickening, uh, Today's Trends, Tomorrow's World, The Art of Talk. It's an autobiography on his kind of come up in the radio biz. The Source, Journey Through the Unexplained, uh, The Edge. Man's Mysterious Past and Incredible Future, and The Coming Global Superstorm, co-authored with Whitley Strieber, which became the basis for the popular movie The Day After Tomorrow. Like I said before, Roland Emmerich, I believe, directed and produced the dude uh, who, whenever you see a gigantor budgeted disaster uh, flick as well as usually box office disaster, unfortunately for him, it's usually a good old Roland doing it big. Our boy, he's going to be on the show soon, hopefully in the future. And uh, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I got two of the bugs, which I get down with. I got the quickening and I got the uh, coming of the global superstorm. Um, I try to buy him up before he can't buy books anymore. You know what I mean? But, you know, go go die. If you're not familiar with Art Bell and this is the first time you heard about Art Bell, my God, you're a lucky person. You didn't even realize it. You know, just, you know, you want you, you got you got a couple hours to kill a week or more then uh, pop in and grab an episode. If you like this type of stuff, which you probably do. He's going from conspiracy talk to paranormal. The guests are uh, very cool, very interesting guests. Uh, and when he opens up the lines and has some of his listeners call in, they're just as cool and interesting, you know what I mean? And it's it's cool. It's kind of opening up a line to everywhere in the world because it goes outside of the country as well, uh, which was very cool. So, hey, everybody out there, thanks for listening. Um and uh, we hope you had fun. We did our plugs in the kind of the beginning, which is horrifying, and we apologize for doing it. Um, we'll always put it at the end. Uh, I blame Buddy Butterfuco. Buddy Butterfuco, you're an animal. Do you want to? Hey, say- hey, hey, hey! Don't blame me. I'm gonna blame you. Even when you're gone, I'm gonna blame you. <laughs> That's right. Do you want to plug anything before you leave, other than Alex? Uh, I, um, let's see. Actually, uh, I am going to, um, L.A. and also Puerto Rico to film a, uh, film, uh, Bermuda Island, which is a horror film about, uh, a passenger plane that, uh, gets stuck in the uh, Bermuda Triangle, lands on an island, uh, you, you got, you know, uh, Survivors have to battle these, you know, creatures uh, that uh, call the island their home. Um, that's that's what I'm going to be shooting next in November. Um, of course, you can always hear me and, and uh, Matt and sometimes Buddy. <laughs> uh, on, of course, you know, uh, the podcast here, um, Boombasticast, uh, Behold the Pale Podcast, and uh, Mostly Ghostly. Until you um, 
up until you mentioned Butterfuka, he was just looking at you dead deadpan because I don't know if you realize this or not, but uh, he, you you cut him off like mid sentence. Uh oh, I'm 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 sorry about that, buddy. You gotta be careful. <laughs> That's okay, kid. You gotta be careful because he he edits all the stuff. He doesn't not the boom cast, but he gets down with the audio, and we don't want him to cut. He just say anything, leave anything in that's too incriminating for you, get you in trouble, get you in trouble with the laws out there. Oh, I can make you sound good or make you sound bad. <laughs> okay, buddy. Okay, buddy. I'll 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 keep that in mind. My bad. My bad. Hell yeah. Well, with that being said, thank you, buddy, for being a part of the show. <laughs> Anytime, Matt. Anytime. Hit me up. I love uh, I love being a part of uh, this show or anything. Word. Alexander, thank you, sir. Hey, no hey, problem. No problem, no problem. No problem. We wish our brother uh, Jonathan and brother Ray uh, and, and brother Joffrey and uh, a sister that's on, uh, on, a, on a way. She's being born soon. Maybe a sister I heard for the show. Um, we'll see how it goes. Um, and, you know, we'll catch you all on the next episode of Behold a Pale Podcast. Ooh. Now, if I worked for Area 51 and I got fired and I called up Art Bell's show, this is what I'd sound like. Online, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Yes. Hi. Um, I, I, I don't have a whole lot of uh, time. Um, well, look, let's begin by finding out whether you're using this line properly or not. Uh, Area 51. Yeah, um, that's right. Were you an employee or are you now? Uh, I, a former employee. Former um, employee. I, I, I was let go on a medical discharge about a week ago, and... And I, I've kind of been running across the country. Um, oh man, I don't know where to start. They're they're, uh, they're, they're going to um, they'll triangulate on this position really, really soon. So um, you can't spend a lot of time on the phone. So give us something quick. Okay. Um. Um. Okay. What well, what we're thinking of as as aliens are they're uh, they're they're extra dimensional beings that an earlier precursor of the um, space program made contact with. Uh, they they are not what they claim to be. Uh, they have infiltrated a lot of uh, uh, a lot of aspects of, of of the military establishment, particularly the Area 51. Uh, the, the disasters that are coming, they, the, the military. I'm sorry, the, the government knows about them, and there's a lot of safe areas in this world that they could begin moving the population to now. But they're not doing. They're not doing anything. They are not. They want the major population centers wiped out. 